I didn't say get your hands together for me. I said put your hands together for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the great I am. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Rose of Sharon. He is the bright and morning star. He is the one that knows my end from my beginning. He's the one that woke me up this morning, put his spirit in me, put my mind in me to get me to this place of grace today. Father, we just thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that today is not just a regular day, but it's a day, Father, that you chose to change the world. Father, I thank you, Lord, that every single person that is in this place will receive an anointing, God. Anointing, Father, to break every single yoke and every stronghold in their lives in the name of Jesus. Father, come on. The worship, the worship service is not over yet. Come on. Let's just press in a little bit more. We're just interceding and inviting and setting the stage for the Holy Spirit to come on in. Because some of you thought that this was just a show. Uh, you thought that it was just about the music and the sound and the lights. Oh, but this is about a life change that God is bringing to your life today. Oh, Father, we just thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you in the beauty of holiness. God, we thank you that this space of grace, Holy Spirit, you can have your way. You can do your thing. You can, you can make rivers out of the desert, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you can uh, open up blinded eyes, both spiritually and naturally today, Father. I thank you that you can open up uh, old deaf ears, oh God, both spiritually and naturally, Father. I thank you that you can allow the lame to walk, both spiritually and naturally. I thank you that you're going to let the oppressed go free, both spiritually and naturally. I thank you today, God, that you can remove the bondage of fear that that has been over this spirit, over this place, over this sphere, over this city. Oh God, and it can start right now. It can start in the hearts of your people. It can start in the hearts of your women. It can start in the hearts of your men. It can start in the hearts of your children. Today, in the name of Jesus. Woo! Jesus, we welcome you in this place. We give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. Oh God, you're so good. It's hard to get out of the well, isn't it? It's hard to get out of the river when you love God so much. It's hard to get out when you know that he's been so good to you and you didn't deserve it. Oh God, I thank you. So Lord, we thank you that as we turn our attention to the word, I thank you Lord that you will speak by your spirit like never before I step back that you may step up in me and allow the greater one to speak Lord your word says that the preparation of the heart belongs to man but the answer of the tongue belongs to the Lord and so Holy Spirit speak your servants are listening in Jesus name let me hear you say amen amen come on give God a big hand clap of praise he's worthy hallelujah wow well, it's good to be with you, Anwa San Bernardino, on the corner of 9th and D at NYSB, you know what I'm saying? This old Texas boy is so excited because, listen, it's nice and sunny outside, and it's good to be around with people who love God. And, you know, I love your pastor so much. We were in Tulsa together, 
and uh, we had the opportunity to serve different ministries. However, we knew uh, that there would be a connection and that there would be a kindredness about us. And um, it was so amazing whenever we came here to California and we were at a meeting and all of a sudden I turn around and I see your bright your pastor's face bright and shining pastor uh Dumas's both of them they were there and I was just like oh my gosh I can't believe this is the right place that we're supposed to be in and we just been connected at the hip ever since and so could you please give your apostles apostle Sherman and apostle Jaquette a big hand clap in their absence thank you Jesus and then also could you give uh, your global senior pastor, Apostle Dr. Matthew Stevenson, a big hand clap as well for allowing God to birth this movement through him. Well, amen. Are you ready to get into the word of God? I am as well. You know, whenever I always prepare a message, it's never based off of what I'm feeling. It's never based off of certain things. It's based off of what God wants to say to his people. Isaiah chapter 50 and 4 says that he gives me the tongue of the learned, that I may know how to speak a word in, se in season to those who are weary. He wakens me up morning by morning to hear as the learned. And what I have for you today, I want you to know that God specifically wants you to understand this process. He wants you to understand this word because this word is going to transform your heart. It's going to transform your life. It's going to transform your family. It's going to transform everything that you touch, everything that you're called to, if you would listen with the ears of those who are ready to hear. Amen? So let's stand for the reading of the word. I know that you were standing up all day, but trust me, I'll be standing longer than you will. So let's turn to Luke chapter 3. Verse 21. We're going to read out of the New King James Version. We're going to get some, we're going to get some scriptures in today, okay? All right, so we're going to read some Bible, amen? I believe that this generation needs to be biblically literate. Some of us know more Beyonce than we know Bible. Some of us know more algorithms than we know about the, uh, the greatness of God. And so, so many people, we need to understand that we need to know the word of God, amen? All right, so you're going to put it on the screen. All right, let's Luke chapter 3, verse 21. It says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. Is there an open heaven still over San Bernardino? I just wonder. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 4 really quick. I know I'm going to jump over real quick. I want to, I want to jump to Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, it says this. You there? Luke chapter 4, verse 1. There it goes. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. By who? The Spirit into the wilderness. Verse 2. Being tempted of uh, the Satan, Satan for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing. And after, when they had ended, he was hungry. Uh, 40 days, you definitely going to be hungry. Some of y'all, four hours and you hangry already. And the devil said to him, if you, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Verse 4 says, but Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. 
Verse 5, then the devil taking him up on a high mountain, showing him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Verse 6, and the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Verse 7 says, therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. I love what Jesus says in verse 8. He says this, and Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written you shall worship the lord your god and him only shall you serve we're almost done verse 9 it says and then he brought him to jerusalem set him on the pinnacle of a temple and said to him if you are the son of god throw yourself down from here for it is written he shall give his angels listen to this charge over you to keep you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone looks like the devil was reading the bible too so ladies, don't get impressed because old boy can preach the gospel. Don't get impressed because he can say some scriptures. Because I guarantee you, sometimes he wants to lay his hands on you with no oil. Okay, let's keep on going. And in their hands, come on, go back, go back. In their hands, they shall bear you up. Lest you dash your foot against the stone. Verse 12, let's go. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 13, now when the devil had ended every temptation he departed from him until the opportune time you got to understand that there is an end to the temptation most people live in the temptation thinking that oh this is just my lot in life oh i'm just supposed to be uh, bound by this because this is just something that oh this is my thorn in the flesh let me tell you something baby jesus didn't die on the cross for you to be partially delivered until you get to heaven <laughs> then Jesus returned to the power of the spirit of Galilee and news of him went about throughout all the surrounding regions. Let's go back up there to Luke chapter four, verse one. And that's going to be our scripture that we're going to build on today. He says, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness in Mark chapter one. I believe that it says that uh, he was driven into the wilderness Amen. You can, you can be seated at this moment. That key verse, thank you, very, very, thank you so very much. Luke chapter 4, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from Jordan and was led or driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days of the devil. Listen, this is what I got to get you to understand. Jesus was in a very, very, very interesting place in his life. He had, of course, grown up. He had, of course, been the product of a virgin birth. He had grown up with Mary and Joseph, learned carpentry, did all of the things that he was supposed to do, was a very obedient child. Like, imagine growing up with Jesus, though. Like, imagine growing up with Jesus and, like, your younger brothers and sisters. Like, Jesus never got a whooping. Like, he never got in trouble at all. Like, he was literally the promised child. And he grew up in all of these uh, situations and all of these circumstances around him. Uh, and the Bible lets us know that even at 12 years old, he knew more Bible than even some of the scholars during that time. Which lets me know that those young people in here, you got to recognize that God can give you your purpose right now. He's not waiting till you're 18. He's not waiting till you graduate. He's not waiting until you get a boot thing. He's waiting on you to be obedient. Amen. 
And so he begins to tell uh, the, the scholars during that time and begin to baffle them. And then all of a sudden, it's his time of reckoning. It's his time where he is about to step into his ministry. He's at 30 years old, and he finds himself at the Jordan. And right before him is uh, his cousin, uh, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, of course, is baptizing at the Jordan. And he begins to tell everyone, hey, listen, there's one among you in whom whose sandals, whose Gucci, whose Gucci slippers, I'm not even worthy to actually sandal up, right? And he begins to talk to them about this Messiah and about the Lamb of God that's going to carry away the sins of the world. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes in one of those days and he points them out and Jesus now comes down into the Jordan and is baptized. And of course, you read it and as we both read it, and the heavens opened up and all of a sudden, this booming voice of God came down and began to confirm to everyone around that that this was his son. Could I let you know that God can truly confirm you and infirm you, not just in private, but also in public? He begins to tell him, he begins to tell all of them, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Bible says that immediately the, the spirit of God, the spirit that had just came down on him like a dove, the spirit that just filled him, the spirit that parted the sky, the spirit drove him into the wilderness. And all of a sudden, Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days. See, I got to get you to understand where Jesus is. He's in a very interesting place, much like you and I. He's in the place of the middle of a prophecy and a promise. He's in the middle of the prophecy that says that he would be born in Bethlehem, which happened. He would be a descendant of David, which happened. That he would be preceded by a messenger. That happened. That was the prophecy. But the promise was that, that he would restore the kingdom to be greater than David. That had not happened yet. The promise was that he would perform signs of healing. That had not happened yet. The promise would be that he would carry away the sins of the world. That had not happened yet. So here we have Jesus in the middle of what was spoken about him and what was yet to be revealed about him and through him. I love this because we see Jesus in the middle. Somebody say in the middle. He was in the middle of where he used to be and where he was going. He was in the middle of where he came from and who he's about to be. Have you ever been in a place, I wonder, in San Bernardino, have you ever been in a place where you're in the middle of what God said about you and what has not happened yet? Uh, you got a prophecy that was about to take you to higher heights and God was going to take you to deeper depths and that the business that you were going to grow in and the business was going to get uh, the attention of many stars and many things and many people and many nations and you were going to be a lender and not a borrower and, and then, then there's a prophecy that uh, that ailment that you've been facing with oh yeah that's going to be healed and but yet it has not happened yet could I tell you that you are in the middle somebody scream I'm in the middle Jesus was in the middle, and the reason why this is so important is because the Bible lets us know that as Jesus is, so are we in this earth. So there is nothing that Jesus is going to go through uh, that you and I will never experience. 
See, most people think that coming into Christ and coming into a relationship with God uh, is just drinking Capri Suns from heaven and that the angels are going to wake you up in the morning and sing hallelujah to you. No, Jesus said, listen, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have trials. You're going to have people that are going to talk about you. You're going to have people that are not going to like you. You're going to have people that are going to unfollow you and start blaming you for everything. You're going to have people that come against you. But he said, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And see, this is what we got to understand is even as Jesus is in the middle, he's teaching us exactly how to thrive in the middle of transition. Somebody say transition. He's in the middle of the transition and now he is truly in this wilderness uh, that he is in. See, I love the fact that God anointed Jesus and gave him the spirit of God before he entered the trial. Because... If that was the case, if God gave Jesus the Holy Spirit when he hit a trouble, it would give us license to basically just depend on the spirit of grace to come in just when we only have troubles. But he powered his life before he entered the struggle. Get this, in business, I teach a lot of business, I do a lot of coaching, I do a lot of executive coaching. And one of the things that I've understood is that when a manufacturer is about to bring a product or service uh, to market, what they do first is they take it through testing. Why do they take it through testing? They, They take it through testing because they want to verify that what they put in them is stronger than what can come against them. And that is what Jesus is showing us is that the spirit of God, when he comes into your life, greater is he that is in you, that is in that, that he that is in the world. I, I said, yo, <laughs> that's that African coming out. That's that African coming out a little bit. But greater is he that is in you than he than that is in the world. So Jesus, get this. Jesus had to be filled with the spirit of God prior to entering into the wilderness because if he had not, listen to this, listen very closely, the enemy would have been able to beguile the appetite of Jesus just like he did Adam and Eve in the garden and the second Adam would have been disqualified just like the first one. See, the spirit of God is not just a menu item that you check off on what you want from God in the middle of your, in the middle of your salvation. Mm, some people, I know some churches like this. I know some people like this that will say, oh, you know, well, you know, we'll just have a different season. We'll just have a different service if you want to have the Holy Spirit and, uh, you know, just in this back room. No, the Bible lets us know that the spirit of God was given openly. There was an open heaven over and the spirit of God was descended on Jesus like a dove. So don't just try to put Jesus and put the Holy Spirit in a corner and box him in a corner when he truly is the one that was hovering over the face of the deep. He's the one that is the earnest of our salvation. He's the one that powered Jesus to do mighty miracles. He's the one that truly allowed us to come into the revelation of who God is. So Jesus, just like you, is in this transition. And he's not just there on his own accord, but he has been driven there. Somebody say driven there. Could I just tell you that the transition in the middle that you're in, God has driven you there. <laughs> you think it's the devil. It's not the devil. The devil had nothing to do with Jesus being led into the wilderness. 
The Holy Spirit led. Yeah, you got a business idea. Yeah, and God told you to step out and do be an entrepreneur. Okay, now let's test what I put on the inside of you. <laughs> uh, let's test and see how your vision truly works. Let, let, let's see how good your management skills are because in your last job, you said, oh, my, my boss don't know nothing. Oh, they can't do anything. Okay, God says, all right, let me give you a business, baby, and see if you can lead these stiff-necked people too. <laughs> he was led into the wilderness. And so you might have been led into the problem, the challenge that is in front of you to test whether the vision that was given you is the true thing. So he's in the wilderness and he's been led there by the spirit of God. And though you may be in the middle, you got to recognize that the same spirit that drove you there is the same spirit that will keep you in the situation he'll keep you in the situation because he wants to bring some things out of you he wants to destroy some things that have been put there by old mothers and grandmothers can i just be can i be real with y'all today can i just talk to y'all like you know this is my you know this is my church okay cool all right all right cool uh, uh he wants to he wants to break some of those word curses that have been in your life he wants to break some of those old mindsets and those old paradigms and those things that you have believed to be true uh, because your mama said them or your grandmama said them. And you got to recognize that God has a word that is higher than your grandmother's word, higher than any other pastor's word, higher than any other old deacon's word that begin to speak over. You got to recognize that God wants to break some things in the middle. So I want to give you some things. I want to give you some keys. Look at that. We only got 16 minutes left and I got eight pages of notes. I'm only on page one. All right. In the transition, of, hopefully you're taking notes, right? What is this? Write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Okay. I'm going to give you some keys because I'm a preacher. Okay. It's like a teacher and a preacher put together. All right. All right. So, because I, I want to get you to understand that the, the spirit that led you there, he will never leave you nor forsake you. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says this. He says, there is no temptation. No temptation that is taking you, but that which is common to man. But God is faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you're able. But with the temptation makes a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. This is why I say that God doesn't leave you in the temptation. Because along with the temptation, simultaneously comes the way of escape. But see, here's the issue, is that this is the issue, is that when the way of escape comes, we turn a blind eye to it and we take the temptation anyway. See, this is what you got to start praying. God, make the way of escape so crystal clear and so appealing to me, God, that the temptation loses its power in the midst of why this open door that you have opened wide for me. He's teaching us this. And he says, in the transition, in the middle, God is faithful. He's faithful to do what? He's faithful to never leave you nor forsake you. In the middle of your trial, in the middle of the issue, in the middle of the temptation, in the middle of the situation, the Holy Spirit will power you to move forward. But this is what happens in the, tem in the, in the middle, that the middle is a place of testing. It's a place of testing. Now, I know many of you scholars that have been here uh, and many of you Bible amazing, uh, just, you know, great people that have been reading the Bible. You know where, you know, second hesitations is and Generonomy and all of that stuff is <laughs> in the book of Generonomy, chapter 209. Okay, anyways, let me stop playing. Focus. So 
I want you to listen. I want you to hear because in the, in the temptation, in the middle, in the transition, you, what is being tested is your appetite. Your appetite. If you can do me a favor and go back to Luke chapter 4, uh, verse 2 through 3, but do it in the New Living Translation. Do it in the New Living Translation. I want to show you this. Because Jesus was in this wilderness, and he had fasted 40 days. And after your man was hungry, he was very hungry. And he says, when, uh, uh, 50, yeah, where, where, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days, Jesus ate nothing at that time and became very hungry. What does verse 3 says? Then the devil, go back to verse 2. He became very hungry. Verse 3, then the devil. Verse 2, one more time. He became very hungry. Verse 3, then the devil. <laughs> See, what you got to get a hold of in this middle is this appetite that has been literally eating you up. See, because this is what has been happening in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 11. The Bible tells us that we should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. Let me tell you something. When you get hungry, you got to understand, then the devil. See, some of you are so hungry for a relationship, then the devil brings tall, dark, and demonic. See, you're, you're, so, you're, you're, so, you're so hungry for recognition uh, that you'll take anybody. Then the devil brings something that's going to take you off course. The Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof shows death. you got to recognize and get a hold of what is trying to eat you. you got to get a hold of this appetite. You got to get a hold of this appetite. You can't, you can't just be hungry and, and thirsting for everything. Jesus said, hunger and thirst after righteousness, not ratchetness. He says he wants you to hunger and thirst after him because when you do that, he's going to add all these things to you. Could I just tell you that I'm not preaching anything? This, this is not something that I learned. This is something that I lived. See, because whenever I was coming to California, God had told us to move to California and do two things, plant Harvest International Church, and do marketplace ministry. That is the blessing that we have the ability to do today. Listen, we're building people that are great in the city of Brea, but also God has launched me out into the marketplace. And so there's this one particular time where uh, I was working for another ministry and I had been involved in a business transaction and business deal. And man, I was getting ready to earn my first $500,000. My team was ready. Everybody was in place. And I was like, you know what? I had got this position. And I was like, ah, I'm in youth ministry. Ah, that's not really what God wants me to do. Ah, I know I'm called to more. Has anybody been like that before? Why they put me in this little thing? I know I'm called to more. Why I just got to be on the praise team? I know I'm supposed to be leading. Why I, just, why I got to be a prayer warrior? Why, why, can't I, why, why I got to just stand up here and pray? Why can't I have the mic and pray? Because God is proving and testing you first. So I remember basically saying, God, you know, I know I'm not supposed to, I know I'm called to bigger. I know I'm called to be a financier of kingdom projects. I know I'm supposed to help people start businesses and raise up young men and young women to do great things in the marketplace. And I said, you know what? When I earn this half a million dollars, what I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to actually resign my position and then I'll have enough money to be able to do my own thing. And God says, let me tell you something, something right quick is that money doesn't release you. The master does. So 
Some of you are just waiting for that next check so that you can just bounce and do whatever you want to do. But let me tell you something. Money doesn't release you. The master does. He's the one that has the final word to say about your life. He's the one that has your end from your beginning. Not money because he says you can't serve God and money. You got to get your appetite in check. Who are you hungering for? Who are you hungering for? You hungering for the recognition? You hungering for the things that money can buy? See, this is one thing that God told me. He says, listen, son, you got to be so comfortable, comfortable being uncomfortable. He said, would you rather be comfortable for the sake of men or uncomfortable for the glory of God? I said, God, I'll be uncomfortable comfortable for you. For your glory, I'm going to do anything. And in that moment, he gave me the scripture, Proverbs 19, verse 21. Write it down. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. See, this is what I had to understand. See, I was following my plans. I was following my appetites. And God says, if you would just sacrifice those plans for my purpose, the things that you've been seeking after will become seeking after you. Now I have no problem with platform. Now I have no problem with people. Now I have no problem with no prophet. Glory to God. Yeah, boys, love it. Hallelujah. The reality is because I started following the purpose, my appetite became God. I want what's yours. I don't want what's theirs. I want what's yours. So Jesus gives us this understanding that we got we to gotta get a hold of this appetite. Because the devil will always do this. He has no new tricks. The same thing that he did in the garden is the same foolishness that he's doing in the wilderness. Wasn't there a fruit that Eve was beguiled with? And now here he is trying to beguile Jesus with some bread. See, Jesus was hungry. Somebody say he was hungry. He was like, no lie, hungry. You know what I'm saying? 40 days. Now, I've been on a 60-day juice cleanse before, right? Afterwards, your boy was hungry, all right? So he was hungry. Here's the thing. Here's the principle. Man, we got eight minutes. I'm only on point one. Here we go. The devil, listen very closely, he was trying to get Jesus, he was hungry, to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. You have a need for relationship, but that's not the way that you're supposed to go after it. You have a need for, you have a need for recognition, but that's not the way that you're supposed to go after it. And so you got to get your appetites in order because... He was trying to get Jesus to abuse the power that was given to him and the process. He's trying to circumvent the process for the sake of an appetite. All right, the next number, number two is, all right, in the wilderness, you're being tested for your allegiance. Somebody say allegiance. And allegiance is the worship that you give. He says, hey, all these kingdoms I'm going to give to you if you would just do what? Bow down and worship me see in the middle your 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 worship will always be tested some of you in some very hard places right now you didn't even see this thing coming and you were literally in the wilderness you didn't see that your job was going to be lost you didn't know that that person was going to die you didn't know that this situation was going to happen in your life and yet you found yourself in the middle and in the middle your worship will always be tested in the middle you will always be tempted to shift who you worship Because in the middle, it's easy to worship convenience. In the middle, it's easy to say, oh, God will forgive me. 
In the middle, it's easy to ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Some of us are, are making Ishmael's in the wilderness. You're making Ishmael's in the wilderness. That's not the promise that God gave you. You, you da- Why am I on dating right now? Like, man, y'all really need this? The reality, you dating this old dude that's half the, the knowledge of what you got. And the reality, not trying, to br- not trying to break the brother down, but the reality, or, or break the woman down. But the reality is, is that many times it's easy to settle in the wilderness. See, because the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong one. It really is. And you got to understand that, that at your allegiance, that the, the place of worship, be very careful because the children of Israel, while they were in the middle, while they were between Egypt and Canaan, they were in the middle and they started complaining and murmuring. And they said, hey, you know, even in Egypt, we had bread and we had shelter and everything like this. Be very, very careful in the middle of reminiscing on the old days of your past when in the middle, because just because your enemy granted you shelter and food and solace and a relationship and some snuggles does not mean that it was God's best for your life. John chapter 4, verse 23 through 24, it says, But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. In the middle, God wants you to focus your worship. That the spirit of God that is on the inside of you couples with your spirit to help you worship God truly. See, worship, of course, we know this is not a song, it's not a dance, because if I couldn't sing and I couldn't dance, I couldn't worship. But this is the thing. Worship is lifestyle. He said, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. It's the spirit of grace that comes into your life that helps you live like worship, that allows you to align your life in worship and allows you to be a sweet smelling savor to the nose of our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. He begins to not look at your talk. He begins to not look at your walk. He begins to look at your life and say, that's a, that's a worship song to me. In the middle, you gotta be focused on who you worship. Man, I got three minutes. Here we go. This is only point number three under point number one. Okay, here we go. Authenticity. Somebody say authenticity. That's your identity. The the devil continues to say, if you are the son of God, if you are the son, always coming at him. If God called you, did God really call you? Did God really say all these different things? He's always coming at you to see if you're authentic enough to go through this process. He's testing to see if you're authentic or not. But in the middle, it's also a time of perfecting. Somebody say perfecting. It's a perfecting of your attitude. Yeah. That hit somebody in the throat. (laughs) Right. There's a a throat chop. Wow. Right. Your attitude. Does your attitude change when God doesn't do it your way? Does your attitude change when he doesn't come through on your timetable when you said that you needed it? Uh, Does your attitude shift and does it change uh, uh, whenever uh, uh, the person doesn't do exactly what you want them to do? Does your attitude change? 
And let me tell you something. God, I'm telling you, the same Holy Spirit that drove you into the wilderness is the same Holy Spirit that will keep you not just in perfect peace, but keep you in the wilderness until your attitude changes. Some people got some nasty little attitudes. You can't even hardly talk to people. People can't even hardly talk to you. And you're talking about you're going to be a multimillionaire running several businesses. Not if you don't know how to love people. Uh, I don't think so. If you think that you're talking about you're going to do some great things in life. Not if you don't know how to organize your house. Uh, yes, if, if, if you said that you're going to do some great things and people are going to come and read your books. Not if you are lazy. You got to check your attitude in the middle. The Bible says, let this spirit be in you or let this mind that was in you, that was in Christ Jesus. It's the attitude that Jesus had. It's the attitude that he had. We can see this even, even though it's not verbalized in this wilderness, it's verbalized in the Garden of Gethsemane when he says, Lord, not my what will be done, but let your will be done. We got to get good at saying that nevertheless, let, my, let your will, not my will. Okay, and the next is endurance. In the middle, God is perfecting your endurance. Stop giving up so easy. You have a hundred unfinished projects, businesses, books, and podcasts, and academies, and degrees, and marriages that are not finished. And God says, stop giving up so easy. Because James chapter 1 verse 12, it says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown which the Lord has promised to those who love him. My goodness. We also got to perfect our responses versus our reaction. Our reaction is from the impulse of our flesh. It's a, it's a knee-jerk reaction. You hit me, I'm going to hit you. You talk about me, I'm going to talk about you. You got dirt on me, I got, I got dirt on you, but no, 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 no. The measure of your maturity is your response. The measure of your maturity is response. You don't have to, re you don't have to react in fear. You don't have to re react in retaliation. No, you just respond in faith. Because I know that if I respond in faith long enough, my faith is going to outweigh the competition. As I continue to do what God told me to do, he's also perfecting your patience. Somebody say patience. Mm, my goodness, I know you don't like that word, the patience. But this is what you got to understand. Patience is not the absence of movement, but it is doing what you know to do until the promise shows up. Doing what you know to do. So don't stop giving. Don't stop tithing. Don't stop forgiving. Man, I wish I had time to go into that. Don't stop forgiving. Because in this season, the Holy Spirit wants to teach you how to respond versus react. Some of you, your marriages are still in the place it is because you haven't learned how to respond. Rather than react in frustration. Next is character. Somebody say character. We're almost done. Character. I know you have a gift. I know that there's a promise in front of you, but I know that the prophecies that have been spoken over you and you fell out in the floor and all that different stuff, they put a brown towel over you and all that good stuff. But what will keep you in the middle is if you have an unchecked character. The ticket out of the middle isn't your gift. It's your character. Who are you 
when the lights go out. I know, I know we all cute today. We all cute with glory, hallelujah, pour it up, pour it up, all that stuff. But who are you when nobody's looking? See, Psalms chapter 105 says, verse 17 through 19, you got to go read it. It says, God allowed Joseph to stay in prison until the iron that was on his feet entered into his soul. God is waiting for your character to be strengthened. That you stop shucking and jiving and just going with any flow and all oh, that's that's cool. No, he's waiting on you to keep the standard. Amen. Oh man. I'm out of time. I want to respect the time. <laughs> Where's the executive pastor at? Five more minutes? Okay, cool, 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 cool. Please don't hurt me, apostles. Please don't. All right. Okay, we got to go fast. You got to listen fast. Everybody say, listen fast. You know, all right, listen fast. All right, the transition is, is a time for training. You don't start learning how to do what you do when you start getting in the promise. See, when David was in the middle of the anointing as king in his father's house and the appointing of him actually being the king of Israel, he began to train in the middle. You got to go back and read it because whenever David's mighty men that we know about that would chase lions and that would literally kill 800 men with one single blow and all that different stuff, when he found them, they were broke, busted, and disgusted, and dead, and degraded, and all of those different things. But in the middle is your time not just to train yourself, but to train others. See, you think that, you think that the promise is going to give you the platform. It's not that. It's right now in the middle. What are you doing right now? How are you training? Here's the thing. How are you training your mind? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Whose who's mind, who's, who's mind are you taking into you? Like I said, some of us know more Beyonce than we know Bible. So the reality is whose mind are you putting on the inside? Did you know this? Is that, that music has the, is the only form of medium. Medium is a form of a person that, that portrays a spiritual message. And media is where we get medium from. And mediums translate a spiritual message. And do you know that music is the only form of media that can transform each part of your brain without your permission? <laughs> oh, you got to start listening to the word. The Bible says that this word is going to be a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. That this word he's going to write on the tablet of your heart. This word, you got to train your mind. You got to train your will. You got to train your imagination. Some of us are thinking too bad about too much. You're imagining too much. Do you recognize the Bible says... The Bible talks about whenever they're building the Tower of Babel, right? Y'all remember the Tower of Babel, Tower of Babel, or however you say it, from Texas or California, whatever. But he says, behold, the people are one, and they have all the same language, and this is what they began to do. Now, nothing that they imagine will be restrained from them. See, although the children of, uh, excuse me, although the Tower of Babel uh, was going around about the wrong way, the process was right, though. 
Because if we see, here we go, we're going to end it off right here. Because here we see uh, in Acts, in uh, the upper room, all of a sudden, they are gathered together in one place uh, with one language, with one single purpose. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that there was a sound, that there was a mighty rushing wind that came in that place. And literally, their eyes were open. Literally, they began to speak with other tongues. Literally, the things that they did not even imagine became possible for them. They were on one side side of the promise of you're going to go out into all nations and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. But they found themselves in the middle and they were praying and all of a sudden the Spirit of God came into that room and they went from being people that were hiding to people who had the testimony that they turned the world upside down. I wonder in the middle if you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life to allow him to turn your world upside down. Spirit of grace helps you in the middle. See, this is why we got to partner with him and not just bring them to church and not just expect to have them here at the church. But all the time while you're waiting on the promotion, you're in your club. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place holy spirit thou art welcome in this place omnipotent father of mercy and grace thou art welcome in this place you got to start building a relationship with the holy spirit right where you are That's what Jesus was showing us, that in the middle of temptation, temptation has no power unless you give it to them, unless you literally succumb to it. He wants to truly power you in the middle, but you got to partner with him. Quick theology, really quick. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're all one. Jesus said, I must depart because if I stay around, the Father won't send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he's going to do a few things. He's going to teach you all things. So single mother, let me tell you something. You may have not seen your mama do it right, but the Holy Spirit can teach you how to mother those kids. Father, you may not understand how to parent the kids and be faithful to your wife but the Holy Spirit will teach you number next he's going to guide you into all things he said he's going to guide you see many times whenever we are lost we need a guide that can show us the way to go And the guide isn't showing you based off of what they figure is going on in the situation. But they guide you based off of knowledge that they have been given and experience that they have had. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit will lead us to the truth.